0: We're live! How are you, hey, John? Man. I feel like I, something's different. You seem flat today or something.
1: I seem flat? Yeah. I've lost a little weight. I might have gone down a cup size, but...
0: No, I think it's I think it's that you're on a screen. Oh. <laughs> oh, that kind of flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is episode, what, are we on 28 now? Something like that? Twenty eight or twenty nine? Holy yeah. shit! So uh, this is our this is a special
1: episode. It's the first one where we're not physically together.
0: Yeah, I'm worried that John has cooties.
1: Yeah, mm. I know I have cooties.
0: I've suspected it for a long time, and now <laughs> it's turned into something that it's like I can't avoid it anymore. You're a public health yeah. concern, dude. I am. This you're, is all my fault. I'm the reason
1: everybody is quarantined right now. You're causing
0: a lot of trouble, man. Last time I
1: happened since we last recorded.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It seems like everything's just gone completely haywire real fast. Yeah, I got word Tuesday
1: night that my uh, company has officially gone on furlough until April 6th, at the very least. But they said to prepare for much longer. So I am Mm self-quarantining, only going out as needed and... I'm starting to take this thing a lot more seriously than I have, you know, in recent weeks. Yeah. I mean, not not to say I've been being reckless, but I'm being careful because if I don't, you know, it's... I, I'm trying to be part of the, the solution, not the problem
0: here. For sure. If that makes yeah. sense. And believe me, like, I still am working. Um, I'm considered essential personnel which is the only time anyone's ever called me essential um but (laughs) but it's uh i do appreciate the effort that people are putting in to try to uh stop the spread of this thing seeing that i have to be knee deep in it every fucking day so Mm -hmm. it definitely uh it doesn't go unnoticed your efforts in (sighs) self-quarantining
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at the numbers and where we are compared to Italy
0: and you know, we're
1: all, it's it's only going to get worse. So, yeah. you know, it sucks being out of work. Um you know, I figure
2: if I do get this thing, I don't want to go
1: to the hospital, I'm not working. I my source of income has depleted or is going to deplete because of that. I mean, luckily with the situation that we're in, I am able to file for unemployment while my company is on
0: temporary furlough, so it's not awful, but yeah. not ideal. Yeah. So. And also. The last thing
1: I want to do is get medical bills.
0: Yeah, and Daddy Warbucks is signing checks for all of us, so that's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> that's what I hear. Mm-hmm. I hear. Uh, I've been hearing a different uh, couple numerical values.
0: I I do around. I do love the um. A dichotomy that exists in this situation though where it's like you know fuck Bernie and fuck socialism also Trump thanks for the money man yeah. you know <laughs> it's like wait a minute <laughs> isn't this socialism this is socialism in an extreme circumstance I suppose but it just is funny like I feel like the reactions are going to be like completely opposite of you know it wouldn't be like well you know Trump's doing what he has to but I still hate socialism it's not going to be that it's going to be white. Like, thanks for the socialism. I think it's just, <laughs> I find it amusing. People are fickle. But that's people
1: okay. wild,
0: man. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It, um... Uh-huh. I don't know, it's like, the way people are acting, it's, um... There's a lot of... Uh... Well, there's so much uncertainty, and there's so many rumors that are just, like, swirling around everywhere. And, uh... You know, it's it's really incredible to see the way that, like, one little thought, one little thing can turn into, like, a massive snowballing effect. So, uh, the night that, uh, Jesus, why can't I not do this right now? Marty Walsh, the Boston mayor, Governor Baker, right? That's our governor. So, yep. Yes. I don't know why I was having trouble with that. Charlie Baker. Charlie, thank you. Jesus Christ, that was weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the night that Charlie Baker said that like the restaurants were closing down and the this was going to happen and that that was going to happen, um, it was completely quiet. And then it was completely quiet at my work. There's nothing left for anybody to buy, right? That announcement goes out and within a half an hour, the place is mobbed like completely and people are like well where's the this and where's the that and it's like it's fucking gone it's at your neighbor's house you can raid them <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah, want right? you could just roll up and smash the door down and then bam Everyone's you got cauliflower like anyway. yeah i know i know it's interesting it's like i i, I heard uh I, Joe Rogan had uh Duncan Trussell on. I always liked those episodes. But uh they were talking about they're talking about it. It was probably my favorite thing that's been said about this is that Joe Rogan said it's dress rehearsal for the apocalypse. It's like not mm-hmm. the real apocalypse, but it's kinda of what it's gonna be like. A little bit. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, if yeah. we if we see it coming, you know. But,
1: At least we get a little taste of what it's like so we can prepare a little bit better there. Yeah, I mean Every man for himself. Yeah.
0: Apparently, dude, I never thought about it before, but like, I'm I'm gonna start buying like you know a four pack of toilet paper every week. Just like, <laughs> just keep packing. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's amazing how like I think the trees that are gonna make the paper goods are still growing. I think that we fucking yeah, they're gone. All the paper goods are gone <laughs> forever. <laughs> it's gonna be a couple yeah. years.
1: it's it's been interesting because you know this is the longest period of time that i've had where
0: like i have very minimal responsibility i don't have school i don't have work (laughs) yeah it's weird you know
1: it's like back to the days when we had summer vacation when we were kids but now i'm almost a 30 year old man so and i can't go anywhere everything's closed you know i don't i'm like hey this is the i have all this free time like maybe i'll just go see a movie during the day or you know maybe i'll go do this but i can't do shit but it's it's funny because i'm running back to this feeling where i don't have
2: anything pulling at me it's like my life is my own Your life I'm in a lot more
1: control now yeah you know like every day to day i decide what i do you know i don't have to go to work i'll have to go to school it's it's a very weird position to be in and it's it's so much time you don't know what to do with it all
2: yeah So like the days have been you know i'll
1: go play some video games here i'll go work out i'll I'll, you know try and go for a walk get some fresh air i'm not like completely quarantined to that capacity not yet we're not on a legit lockdown no no. I know. i do avoid gatherings of any sort so um so it's like the days are just, they're weird, man. And then at night, it's like I get to settle down, watch a movie or something, play some cards. You know, it's a little more solidified then, have some
0: drinks. You know, yeah. I feel like life's,
1: end- <laughs> life's gonna end soon, so yeah. I'm just throwing them
0: back. Yeah. You never know. I've stuck with my diet, and I'm not even sure how I have that willpower. Because there was a I couple you, of nights man. where, like, my work was so fucking mobbed, I was so stressed out, and all I could think about was fucking pizza. And I didn't yep. do it. I fucking you, stayed man. away from that Stay shit. Going. Yeah, because
1: it's it's hard, especially now when I have all this free time. When I'm bored, I eat. Yeah. When I'm stressed, I eat. When yep. When I'm anxious, I eat. Yep. When I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm not hungry, I eat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. I definitely get so it. So,
1: if there's anything you take away from me today, is that I'm always <laughs> I'm always
0: eating. You got to ration that shit out now. And um there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of crazy shit going on. Like they're questioning whether we're going to get shipments from California now because California is on a lockdown. But it's sort of like, again, it's like essential personnel. So it's like people involved with the food chain are going to have to be going out there and picking the fruits and then putting it on the truck and sending it, you know? So it's kind of a, uh, I feel like it's a little bit of a, Maybe a moot point, you know. Maybe it's not going to be a big thing, but yeah, um, it's very. uh, It's just everything's so chaotic right now, you know, and it's it, nobody knows what's going to happen. And like, last night we had it run through the store, um, that like we are definitely going on a lockdown. Like the state is locking down; it's going to happen, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could feel the because I, you know, me and my coworkers you know we're all talking and my assistant manager is telling me this um and i had he told me that and then one of the managers told me that so it's like spreading through us like wildfire but you could feel like when we're talking about it people that are passing by are like what are they talking about what's happening and then all of a sudden they're like where's the toilet paper you know and they fucking <laughs> panic again you know um uh-huh. it is wild man it is very different than anything i've ever seen so uh-huh. Um, but, you know,
1: it's just like,
0: no, go, you,
1: I was going to say, you know, it's
0: all we can do is just wait it out, you know, try and take the proper precautions, practice
1: basic hygiene, wait it out, you know, get some movement in, try and that immune system in case we do contract the virus that it doesn't completely overtake us. I mean, I've been hearing mixed things where it's like only the immune compromised are susceptible to, like, the dangerous levels of it. And then I hear cases where, you know, middle age, you know, people around our age, they get it, or even younger, and it's... It gets to a uh, a pretty scary level, so... Well, you know... It's not something I want to fuck with.
0: I've been thinking a lot about all of these statistics and stuff, and there's really not a way to know, per se. Mm -hmm. But to me, I think, like, I'm like, they're like, there are more people in the millennial generation in hospitals with serious cases of this than there are older people right but it's like also they're the ones that have the jobs that they're probably interfacing directly with the public so to me the risk of exposure is higher so obviously the numbers skew but i don't necessarily think that like younger people are more susceptible to it i think it just is happenstance it's just the the situation they're in you know Uh like like my store managers are in their 50s they spend most of the day in the office not elbow to elbow with customers so it makes more sense that i would get it than they would you know that's just natural yeah. even though my immune system's probably stronger and all that stuff but you know it's it's one of those things that's unfolding you know and it's it's unfortunate that it's happening but it also eh, you know it's kind of like a little I know, I know that it's financially is like a kick in the teeth for a lot of people, but I think that, I think that that thing that you were talking about is like a special opportunity. Like when you're like, wow, like I really have just me to worry about right now. I don't have to think about a job. I don't have to think about allocating time. I just have to think about me. And I think that if you use that time wisely, it's a good period of reflection. It's a time for you to be like, okay, what am I unhappy with in my life, and how do I adjust that? What can I do to fix that? You know, um, so it's kind of, you know, if the if the financial aid comes into play and everybody's able to get out of this with, you know, being able to live comfortably and get their groceries and stuff, this is a wonderful. Situation For people to be in Just as long as they're taken care of You know If they're not taken care of It fucking sucks But if you have three months To just kind of Assess your life And You know Then this all ends And now you're like So It's like uh, Jim Carrey had this thing That he said about his dad His dad Worked I think for the Postal service or something And uh, He fucking hated his job He like didn't like it at all Um, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't the Postal Service, I'm sorry, maybe it was something else, but, but the idea was that he hated the work that he did, but it was stable, and the fact that it was stable was like, okay, fine, I'll grin and bear it, I'll go in, I'll do my job because it supports my family. And he got to a certain point in his career, and all of a sudden he got laid off, and What Jim Carrey said was that, for him, it was watching his dad fail at something he didn't want to do. All of a sudden, it was like, why would I ever fucking do that? Like, I could go out there and try to do something I want to do and fail, but I also could just waste my life doing something that I don't fucking want to do, and I could fail anyways. So what is the... why would I not try, you know? and it 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 kind of gave him like the kick in the ass yeah, for him point. to be like whoa you know so i think that i think that there's a a value in this in a weird way that i think it'll give some people a bit of clarity um and, and time to really process how they feel about things. And maybe people come out of this and they're like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go do this other thing that I've always wanted to do and I never tried. You know, It's
1: a great time for personal growth, man.
0: You I know, think so, gonna, too.
1: It's going to break people out of their day-to-day um, obligations. And mm-hmm. they're going to have, like you said, they're going to have more time to reflect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the longer that we get to do that, we get to settle into this. You know, we got comfortable with it because there's just so much time. It's, like, overwhelming. Yeah, It's, like, what do I, you know, I'm not used to this. So,
2: yeah.
1: you know, today, Haley and I went for a walk this morning. And just for an hour, we just went out and walked. And,
2: yeah.
1: you know, I haven't done that in years, man. I haven't, like, just gone for a legit walk just around. And, you know, yeah. it was nice. It's, like, <laughs> I get to go out and just enjoy the world. You know, it's always, like, I always have this, this you know, whether it's mild or, whether it's a strong feeling of anxiety of just like, okay, like I, I'm not completely present in all these situations that I'm in because I always know that there's like, you know, it's almost like I don't want to enjoy things to its fullest capacity because next thing you know, it'll be gone and I'm back at work that next day type deal, you know? Yeah.
2: You're
0: like, so I, I focus on... Have
1: slowed down immensely Yeah, and I'm getting time to be present and yeah. to feel
0: things. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, like, for me, that sensation is always the sensation of, like, the clock ticking down to the thing that I don't fucking care about and I don't want to be a part of. Completely uh-huh. distracts me from things that I like to do. Like, I could be banging three supermodels and I could be like, I gotta go to work in six hours. Like, why the fuck? Do I Why am I thinking like that? That's crazy. Yeah. Just enjoy yeah. the three supermodels,
2: yeah. you know? <laughs>
0: There's one lesson I can give you guys. is If you're ever banging three supermodels, just kind of enjoy. Like, stop and yeah. smell the roses, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it might not be roses you smell, but... <laughs> A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. See that? Yeah. We can go blue, and then we bring it back to Shakespeare? Come on. Where are you Fuck getting yeah. this kind of content? Honestly. Like, this show, this show is fucking great. This show is fucking great. We're pros. Which is why we're recording this we're all janky. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um Yeah we, we gotta do what we gotta do, man.
0: Yeah. Um this This whole thing has had like really crazy side effects for well, number one, my hands. Because I've been washing and sanitizing my hands like nobody's business, and they're about the color of John's shirt which for people who are just listening to this, is uh, like a maroon red. And my hands hurt. Um, I don't think that there's... I don't think that there's germs on them, and I don't think that there's life in them. I think my hands are officially dead. So that's kind of weird. Haven't had that happen before. Um, also, uh, this, this like, for, for us, you know, we talk about movies. This This show is kind of about whatever we want it to be about. But a lot of times, me and you fall back on movies. That's uh, like I have the most fun dishing about mm-hmm. things that we watch. So um, it kind of feels like that's what we do now. Um, we will get back to the other topics, but uh,
1: yeah, I like to keep that open in case something does come up, and it's like, hey, at least we're not getting off brand here. Yeah,
0: like it's it's always going to be that way, but it's. Uh, you know in, in terms of that interest this has had like profound repercussions about how hollywood is operating and what the fuck uh-huh. is going on it is absolutely insane so like you can now rent the invisible man and the hunt uh-huh. and you can buy onward the disney pixar movie that came out like a week ago <laughs> you can yeah. buy it um it's it's fucking crazy birds of prey uh-huh. is going to hit soon which maybe people will finally fucking sit down yeah, and watch. finally watch it. Holy shit.
1: I know. I, I, at some point, I think I am going to write The Hunt, even though it's a little, little bit on the pricey side. But I have wanted to see that movie, and yeah. I got nothing but time in this fucking one well, bedroom apartment here. So do a show? Yeah, if you're down. i I, 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 mean, I want watch to watch it either way, man.
0: Yeah, I want to watch it. I'm going to watch it either way. Yeah, So cool. Um, I also, I also, uh, this is kind of like the behind the scenes stuff that you guys don't usually listen to, but I, I got, uh, the rest of Tarantino's movies, uh, on voodoo and they're all there so that we can start doing just the full Tarantino all the way through because I'm still like, I am so surprised that you really haven't seen any of his movies. It's like, because I think that you'll like them, um, Uh they're funny and they're really like they're funny and dark and witty and violent and they're kind of like they, they're they they're very they're very much tarantino movies it's hard to compare to anything else the closest is like the gta games are uh-huh. 100% like what to make a playable version of a tarantino movie you know yeah. um so it has that kind of vibe to it um And yeah, it's like the the dialogue is almost like how Kevin Smith writes dialogue, you know? Um, So they're really fun, very interesting movies. And when he started out, it was all crime stuff. And then he's progressed. He did, you know, the Kill Bill movies, which are kind of like Ninja, you know... uh, Well, not Ninja, but like they're kind of like Asian gang cinema, you know? Martial arts movies and stuff. And then... uh, all of a sudden, it was like he did *Inglorious Bastards, which was World War II, and then he's done Django, Unchained, The Hateful Eight, which were westerns, and uh, the latest one was the one that you started watching, but you didn't stick with because you were like, "Ah," eh, which is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which definitely, uh-huh. I think, I think watching that one on its own is a little bit, like... I feel like you are willing to hold out longer if you know the rest of his movies. If you know how entertained you've been by the other things, you kind of are like, okay, okay, let's keep going, we'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. Um, Because I definitely felt the first time I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was like, I don't know what he's doing. I couldn't figure it out. Um, It's exactly what I went through. Yeah. I was
1: like, well, it's like an hour and a half in, I'm tired of trying to figure this shit
0: out. Yeah. I turned off (laughs) It does go to places, and it gets like it starts out it's a very like neutered version of what Tarantino does, and then as it progresses it it picks up more of his aesthetic, you know uh <clears throat> until you get to the end, which is just
1: i it haven't seen magic crazy,
0: yeah, I haven't seen anything like that in a while, and I haven't I'll seen give it another shot the types of reactions to it in a long time either because there were people that were like, Yeah, woohoo! And there were there were people in the audience that were like, Ooh, you know? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, this yeah. is really weird. This is so tense. <laughs> you know. Mm. It was good. But yeah, I definitely want yeah. to do the Tarantino stuff while we're while we're locked into this world. Yeah. This sad no, sad. So you know,
1: from what I hear it's it's probably gonna be at least another month it yeah. sounds
0: like the guy on Rogan like not- was Mike Osterholm and he was like this thing is unfolding and it's going to unfold he said he thought over the course of three to six months just like Jesus Christ that's fucking crazy mm-hmm. I don't know
1: yeah man we'll see, we'll <sighs> see. But keep pumping out content as long as we can
0: yeah, and so all the uh,
2: Wi-Fi towers go down and we lose electricity and
0: we might have we to find have to like, door to door. the little bicycle, <laughs> the little bicycle generators. We'll just yeah, yeah. ride bikes while we're talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come on. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's definitely uncharted territory. Never been in this situation before, but uh, I don't know. The way this virus operates is fucking crazy. It like goes into your lungs and then you know how there's like I think they're called cilia that are like little hairs on the inside of your lungs? Oh yeah. Each, each of those is connected to like a cell. And what this thing does is it's like, oh, I'm in here now and then it's like, ooh, look, a cell and it just bashes through the cilia, knocks them all out, and then goes into the cell and it's just like, oh, I'm just gonna just gonna sit here and kinda spread out a little, make myself at home, then it fucking kills that cell. So now the hairs and the cell just fall off into your lungs. Now you have this like debris building up in your lungs. And that's what causes like the dry cough is because you actually have like dead cells just accumulating like dust in your lungs and in your esophagus and stuff and your trachea. It's wild. Um,
2: which yeah, is...
1: dude, I've heard <laughs> some pretty wild stories about people getting hooked up to machines, and you kind of need them to help you breathe. And you know, some of the more severe cases, and it just sounds like nothing I want any a part of. So
0: no, no, it's not fun. Um, it. But I don't know, man. It's gonna be what it's gonna be, I guess. Yeah. To see how this all plays out. Uh-huh. Um. Got something? Oh, I thought you were gonna jump uh-huh. in. <laughs>
1: I'm just... I'm just hanging out, man. Yeah,
0: man. Um, am bracing myself. Oh, I got something else that's cool for the off-topic. Last night, via this same technology, John and I are using Zoom to see each other and talk to each other. And you're picking up my voice next to the phone that we... One of the phones we usually use. And John's voice through my computer. Um, because... Anchor has to sort out its shit with record with friends. It's not a good feature.
1: It's, no, it's not. It's the only my only quarrel with them.
0: Yeah. They well, got to they got to figure that out. But it is other than that like you said Anchor's pretty solid, but uh last mm-hmm. night we used Zoom to do the first uh read through of the short film that me and Kayla Kennedy are working on. Nice. So I got to meet My co-star, Evan Crocker, uh, via Zoom, which was very strange. Very strange first (laughs) meeting. You're just, you know. uh, But we did the read-through of the script, and uh, I'm really happy. It was funny live. Uh, I, I was, you know, I always feel like such a douchebag when I say these things, but, like, I was laughing at it. And it's like, well, you wrote it, so your opinion doesn't matter. (laughs) I get it. All right, I get it. I'm just saying that I enjoyed myself is all. Um, Uh And, uh, yeah, you know, we're planning on doing it every Friday night. We're going to sit down and run through it and just try to get used to the material so that when it comes time to film, we can just get out there and uh, really have it done fast, you know. Uh, So last night was a cool... Definitely a cool experience, you know? It's always, like... It's such an honor for me to have shit that I wrote being, like, performed by people that, like, know how to perform. So, uh, you know, just a very special... Last night was a very special night. I definitely got reinvigorated on that front. Because I, you know, I get to a point with projects where I don't know what to do next. So in general, I need those types of little, like, oh, yeah, do this, you know? And, uh, you know, between his enthusiasm about it, and Kayla really falling falling into, like, the producer territory of, like, she's keeping us on task, you know? And, uh, Uh definitely is helpful. Because I'm I'm creative. I'm not organized, you know? And, uh, it's something that I I definitely need somebody there to kind of like coax me along. So Yeah. I feel uh I feel pretty good about this man. I feel like it, it sounds to me like things are uh like things are progressing with it and uh as soon as we're out of quarantine we can actually film it. Um Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Yeah. Although I also am kinda like Imagine that all these businesses are closed, right? Mm. And imagine that me and Kayla and Evan put the whole world at stake so that we can go out and we can (laughs) film on empty, quiet streets with no interruptions. Mm. It might not be the worst thing. It's like, you have a studio backlot, it's the entire fucking world, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, we're not on an official lockdown (sighs) yet, so you could technically still do that.
0: But there is the there is still the i you know we still want to make sure that he and I just have those lines like ready to go because anytime that there's a surprise like when you have dialogue that's like snappy um anytime that there's a surprise, even if somebody uses just a different word, you will start laughing. there's no doubt that it is going to happen like if you practice it and somebody's like. Uh, like I I think Glenn Howerton did it on Always Sunny. It was the scene with the I like to bind, I like to be bound, you know. Uh, but it's a he had done every take, every take. He had been like he they had been like, what is all that stuff, bro? And he had turned around and he'd been like, it's fetish fetish shit, you know. Always like every single take was that way. And then there was one where he turned. They were like, what is all of that stuff, bro? And he was like, God, it's just it's like it's fetish stuff. And he said stuff, and everybody burst out laughing because it was just so unexpected, you know? At that point, they'd already done fetish shit 9,000 times, so it just it caught everybody off guard, it made everybody laugh, and I want to avoid that. I want to have it down so pat that we film it three times and we have the coverage we need. We get one close-up of him, one close-up of me, and then a wide shot with both of us, and we're done, you know? Um, that's the hope, so... Quarantine will definitely give us time to rehearse, which is cool. Yeah. Um,
1: Utilize that time wisely, my friend.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I'm gonna send Kennedy the the second the second story, so that she can do a pass on it too. Because I want I'm trying to get trying to play to everybody's strengths and what everybody would like to do. And Kayla also wants to write like I do, so I think having the collaboration with that also. Having her direct a couple of episodes is pretty cool. Um so yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I feel very very energized, which is nice. Alright. And uh I think that's mostly it for the off time. I don't have anything else. It's just been work, man. Yeah. Because I just I it's it's a nightmare out there. People are fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> yeah. But I I, I, be I'm grateful. Anywhere near it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it, but also it is uh, it is crazy. But... Alright. Are you good? I'm
1: good. I'm ready.
0: Alright, so let's jump to commercial break. And then uh, we'll get into... Today's film... All right. Today's film I watched earlier in the week as part of the whole like... Oh, coronavirus can't go outside. What am I going to do? And I had... Actually, I bought this movie, um, maybe a year and a half ago, and with the intention that I would watch it, got super busy, um, always had the plan that I was gonna watch it with my ex, so then when that ended, I just, I put it on the back burner, and I hadn't looked at it since, um, and then this week, I was looking through, and I was like, I'm gonna fucking do it, I wanna watch this, and I sat down, and, um, I'm I'm not going to so it's an it's a great movie. I enjoyed the fuck out of it. Um I confirmed that today by rewatching it. Um part of the reason I wasn't sure if I was right when I first <laughs> wrote my like initial reactions on our Instagram was because I was on a substance. So I didn't know if the substance was <laughs> if the substance was messing with my perceptions of what the movie was. Um it wasn't. Uh, the only thing it did mess with was I was like, wow, the sound's not coming from the TV. It's coming from inside my head, which was yeah. interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. Can't wait to get into it. Can't wait to talk about it. Uh, we'll jump to commercial break, and then me and Johnny will be back with Karen Kusama's Destroyer. Oh. <laughs> Detective Bell.
1: Who is it? No ID, no idea.
2: Placing our agent undercover. If we do this, we accept the consequences. Do you love me? You know I do. You chose to play cops and robbers,
1: and you lost.
2: You burned a circuit in my brain. You can be better than me. I just want to do one good thing.
0: All right, John, I kind of, uh, I kind of not buried the lead. What's the opposite of that? Put the lead on a pedestal? Maybe I I put the lead on a billboard or on one of those banners that flies on the back of the airplane, but I don't give a fuck. You broadcasted it to the whole world. I'm still, I'm still going to ask the question, John. What the fuck are we talking about?
1: We're talking about the Destroyer. Oh, well, Starring Nicole yeah. Kidman.
0: Yes, Nicole Kidman. She's never looked more beautiful.
1: I was just going to say it does look nothing
0: like Nicole Kidman. No. <laughs> Not at all. Do you see what I wrote in the meeting thing for this uh, uh for this I... Zoom thing? Fuck, I did, but I Karen, Karen, Kusama's, I glanced at it and... <laughs> Karen Kusama's destroyer which stars Nicole Kidman as Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's pretty accurate um yeah yeah, so i um you know my i i really like karen kusama as a director um she the first time i saw anything that she had done was the invitation and i was completely fucking blown away by that movie oh
1: that was a really good one we you showed me that movie yeah yeah i really like the
0: invitation yeah that was excellent uh logan marshall green is uh the lead in it also has um oh man what's his name The guy that I can't get a fucking enough of, he played Steve Carey's brother, John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch played Steve, he's not Steve Harvey, wow. Steve, uh, he played Steve Carey, Drew Carey's brother on the Drew Carey show. Um, And also he was Arthur Lee Allen in Zodiac, so anytime you put John Carroll Lynch in anything, I'm like, fuck yeah, I love that guy. Um, And he was excellent in that too. And, uh, you know, Karen Kusama, I really hadn't seen anything else she had done up until The Invitation, and I was so impressed. And then when I started seeing the trailers for Destroyer, I was like, oh, it's like a present just for me. You know, um, (laughs) it's, like, it's a film noir, kind of gritty drama set in, like, the L.A. criminal underworld, um... Nicole Kidman plays a really down-and-out uh, police officer uh, named Erin Bell, who is investigating a—the movie starts, and she's investigating a murder, um, unofficially. She just kind of, like, stumbles into the scene, and it's actually other people's, other people's crime scene, but she still kind of looks around, and that kind of propels us into the story that we're watching— or the story that we think we're watching. And uh, it's... I don't know, it it hits all the right notes for me. And Karen Kusama has this thing that she does that... Like, when I think of The Invitation, I think of Drive, which is not her. uh, But but Drive has the same quality that I'm talking about, where it's like a very sensitive... um, A very sensitive, artistic vibe to the movie. That's the shell. And then inside that shell is this underlying looming threat of violence throughout the entire thing. Like, you never feel comfortable when you're in a Karen Kusama film, or uh, in the case of Drive, it's like Nicholas Winding Refn kind of has that quality in Drive, but it's lost pretty quickly thereafter. I, I never feel quite the same tension between style and substance after that or before that, because before that it was Bronson with Tom Hardy and that kind of the entire way through is sort of like a satirical comedy. Um, but I, that, that, that quality of really beautiful artistic, um, and poignant mixed with that just dreadful feeling of like things are going to get bad. You know, I, I love that shit. I really do. Um, so what do you think, man? What do you think of it?
2: Yeah,
1: you know, I, I enjoyed the movie. This one seemed like a bit of a, a slow burn. Like mm-hmm. you said, you know, you kind of always have that, like, looming feeling like something's going to happen. Yeah. And you're kind of watching the movie and you're trying to figure out what that is. And we get some flashbacks there. And, you know, they kind of lead you up to the climax of the movie.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's like you're trying to puzzle, to, you know, take these puzzle pieces that they give you. And you're like, all right, well,
2: what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And right. um you know it's definitely one that you like really wanted to like pay attention to, and,
1: mm-hmm. and you know, something that drew you in there, yeah, to get to that point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, like, you know, slow burns I, I kind of have a hard time with. You know, I think the way I watch movies has changed over the course of time. You know, it's, I need a little bit more to draw me in, so yeah. Um, all things considered, though, you know, I really did like this
0: movie, yeah. Um, I I think that one of the things that stands out to me about this is I really like, I really like nonlinear stories. So I like when there's flashbacks and stuff. I think, I mean, up until, I feel like Lost kind of was the first thing that I had really experienced that had a ton of them. And then after that, I realized the like immense narrative value of flashbacks, like the way that they're able to highlight aspects of a character. Um I, I just I think that they're such a cool and unique storytelling tool. I think you can use them badly, but I think when you use them well, um it really does enhance what's going on. Like if you say that her A narrative is She's the cop that stumbles onto the crime scene and then starts going around trying to figure out if this criminal that she was involved with in the past uh, is back. So you say that that's your A narrative, and then you have this B narrative that, like, as she's running up the leads in the A narrative, you're seeing where those leads originated from in the B. And I I like that, where it, it it's playing with the back and forth and sort of you understand that there's some shit that went down in her past but they they kind of are holding their cards close it it's a very slow unraveling of of why she's doing what she's doing in the a story you know and um i thought that was a really cool idea you know
1: yeah i mean you, you know you have some movies that you have that start off you know like this one started off where someone has clearly been through some shit and they gloss over it and they're like come out and say it but when you have a movie like this that it kind of has those flashbacks there and then they connect to each other mm-hmm. that way and it's kind of telling both stories at the same time and you're figuring it out more and more as you go it definitely makes it a lot more interesting i think it's a very effective way to use that um, uh, you know type of
0: filmmaking yeah i i you know and and i think that one of the things that i found really interesting is like <clears throat> nicole kidman i don't think I don't feel like she's either thing that she's playing, right? So, like, she's not young and nubile. She's not... She's not really, like... To me, she's not, like, over the hill and aged. So they kind of caught her in, like, that middle ground between the... Like, she, in her real life, is the middle ground between the two things. And then they use the makeup really effectively to age her back and age her forward from that point and i feel like it's a it's pretty effective um there's like a couple of things that are just they're just natural things that they're going to be hard to get around you can't really do prosthetics for hands um and also your neck has so much mobility that they couldn't hide too much of the age around here but definitely in the face i felt like it was it was definitely like wow i'm looking at uh, young Nicole Kidman again, you know uh-huh. um I thought that was a cool technique, and they used it again with like the other characters that survived from flashback to present day um and I thought it was I thought it was a cool move you know i I felt uh-huh. like um the makeup was was really well conceived and you know deliberate in what it was trying to do, you know um uh-huh. even. I watched some special features stuff, and they were talking about how, like, her innocent freckles that she has across her face wind up sort of taking on an air of, like, precancerous on her older face, you know? Like, they, like, instead of, like, the sweet, innocent freckles that, like, add a layer of, uh, maybe naivete or uh, or wonder to her as she's younger. Like, then she, like, goes on this journey and she grows into the woman that we meet that's, you know, the over-the-hill cop. And, Mikey, you look at her face and it's like, this looks like something that a dermatologist should check out. You know, this looks like something that, like, you might be in trouble, you know? I thought that that was a yeah, cool no, way to do that.
1: Definitely around the eyes is where I drew you in the most with her and her face, yeah. you know? She just looks like she's been through some shit and the lips, her lips are chapped to wow. hell, Yeah, you know? So it's, you know, it's funny that you were talking about some of the other areas that it didn't really show all that much, Yeah, you know? Cause like trying to put on the makeup and trying to make her seem
2: older and younger and, yeah. you know, but the face was so,
1: you know, just drawn directly to it. So I didn't notice all the details there.
0: Yeah. There's
2: on either it, side of it.
0: Yeah. I think part of the problem is that I draw, because i draw i know that there are certain features that you're just not really going to encounter on a younger person that you would on an older person so that was like something that i did find just slightly distracting younger people will have this like very graceful just to their jawline she is at an age where she's starting to get kind of a little bit uh it's so fucked up to say this because nicole kidman's a very beautiful woman but jowls don't have to be ugly. Um, but she just has, like, a little bit of uh. There's a bump here, you know? Uh-huh. So that graceful jawline gets disrupted. And for me, it's that little detail. I'm, like, looking at her, and it's like, yes, totally young, totally young. But why is that doing that? It kind of, like, breaks the illusion for me. But it's like, I I look at faces all the time, and I draw faces all the time. So it's, it makes sense that I would pick up on it. And then I would find it a little bit distracting, but I think, I think overall the effect works really well for people that just kind of take, literally take people at face value. You know, I think that like, I think that it actually, I think that it worked fine. And um, again, across the entire ca- entire cast, um, jumping forward and back in time, I think they all, they all look pretty good, you know? Definitely added to the um, there's a harshness to this story, there's a harshness to the world that they're in, and I feel like you actually like seeing the people dragged down by the environment that they're a part of is like very interesting to me, you know. Um, and that kind of extends like <clears throat> as far as the environment goes, um, Karen. Karen Kusama said that she wanted to have she never worked with a female director of photography before and the director of photography that she got for this she was like let's let's find a woman so she found a woman and she found a woman that's her like opposite in terms of aesthetics so Uh what Karen Kusama likes is darkness Um, and she likes to shroud things in mystery you know and all that stuff And what this other woman likes is light. So basically, you know, Karen would have a take on a scene and the director of photography would be like, let's do it this way instead. And they would kind of go back and forth about what they wanted. But it was like a negotiation, you know, it never got tense, but it was a negotiation to find like a middle ground between the two things. And I think that like this particular version of Los Angeles is... um, is so like unique. I I don't think I've ever seen Los Angeles look like this, really. You know? Mm -hmm. The the way that the light and shadow and how fucking stark everything is. Everything is like extra crispy, you know, like even the performers. Like you know, you look at like Nicole Kidman and she like looks crunchy, you know? And like the the interesting
2: way to describe. She's crunchy,
0: man. Um but it's like the whole environment kinda has that vibe, you know? It's it's a very um it's a very harsh uh harsh setting. I think like a lot of people think of like Holly they think Hollywood when they think of Los Angeles, they think glitz and glamour, they think fun in the sun, they think all of these things. Um this doesn't have that at all. This is like no, I don't wanna does go there. <laughs> have like a a wastelandy like mm. vibe to it. You know. That's a really good. That's a really good way to describe it, like wasteland. It it like it's like everything. Everything there is just dry. Everything is just like completely exhausted of its life essence, you know. And it, uh-huh. it like it comes through in the characters too. And I think like they did a really cool thing where it feels a little bit toned down in the past. Like when you're when you're back in time, it doesn't seem as uninviting. There's a lot more blue and green tones in the frames, um, and things are warm in a in a comfortable way, in like a cozy way. Um, you know, like the scene where the gang leader is talking to Arturo, who's one of the other uh, one of the other members of the group. He. We'll talk about Toby Kebbell in a minute, but Toby Kebble plays the gang leader, and he is seeing Arturo sitting with Eren, um, and he loads up a gun and tosses it across the room, and Arturo, he he's like, hey Arturo, he's like, pick that up and let's see if it's your time. And basically he uh, kind of puts Arturo in a situation where it's like he has to play Russian roulette, it's not like it just yeah. is like you're playing it that's what's happening So no, choice. <laughs> no, no choice but I feel like the lighting in that scene actually reminded me a lot of the invitation it was that lots of darks and like that warm orange color that like yeah. it feels comfortable to me like I want to be in that environment you know I didn't feel turned off by it even though there's something horrible happening but like if you took all the horrible shit out of it and you just said, like, you, you know, go spend a night in this area, I would have been like, yeah, all right, like, I I like the feel of it, you know? And that's how The Invitation feels, too. Like, when you watch The Invitation, it's like you, your understanding of Logan Marshall Green's complaint, that there is something amiss. Um, But also, like, that house has such a, It has such a personality to it and such a warmth to it that, like, it's almost like an invitation that you couldn't pass up. You know, like, I want to go there. I would have a, like, I could have a lovely night there until things take that fucking turn (laughs) right after dinner. (laughs) Things start getting a little weird. Um, But I, I think that, I think that that adds to... It's a cool thing that they do. It adds to the overall sense of like downfall that's occurred since that event in the past because that event in the past doesn't feel, it doesn't look bad. Like everything kind of looks nicer than it does in the present. You get to the present and it's like everything's blown out with this bright light. You can't fucking see anything. Everything's dry. Everything's like tan and brown and like just nothing is, it's like nothing is appealing about the present that Erin Bell is living yeah. in, but her past she kind of longs for, and it makes sense given what her motivations are, what we find out. Yeah, I don't think she
1: she smiles at all in that present day, um, yeah. Present day setting.
2: Yeah. <laughs> at
1: least if she does, it's not, you know, it's very few and far between, like Harry, You can just see it on her face, man. You can just see it. They did a really good job there. Yeah. And you got to go into the past, and you know it's a bit lighter of a feel there. Yeah. You know, where she still had
2: where she still had some life in her mm-hmm. You know. What the the sh- the run down that she's experienced hasn't happened. Yeah. You know. She's still young and, and fresh and, and full. Yeah. And full there and she gets, you know, down to the present day and you can just like you said, you can just see it, you know, it's visibly taking over her. Yeah.
1: And just that pain and anguish and the trauma that she's experienced.
2: Yeah.
0: It's and, evident. I, you, you know. Yeah. I think that... um. I think that we should probably clue people in if they don't... You know, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you saw the movie. You should definitely see the fucking movie. It's really good. Um, But in terms of plot, Aaron Bell is sent undercover into this gang with a partner. Which is unusual. I don't feel like I've seen that very often where it's like two undercover cops, you know? But her partner is played by Sebastian Stan with considerably more arms than he has in the Avengers films. Um, and he. He's in the Avengers? Yeah, he's Bucky. He's the Winter Soldier.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he looks yeah. so different.
0: Yeah, I didn't he even does. Put that together. <laughs> he looks like he looks almost manly compared to Bucky. (laughs) Yeah. I see Bucky in his little bob haircut and I'm always like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. What are you doing? Either go, like, for length or, like, shave that fucking shit off. But, like, don't do this. Don't do this. You look like Willy Wonka. You know? (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. talking about, um,
1: Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka?
0: Yeah, I don't like it. Like... (laughs) I don't like it. Like every time I see the Winter Soldier, I'm like I can't take this motherfucker seriously. I can't do it. I tried. Um but <laughs> but he uh so she, so she and him uh or however the fuck I'm supposed to say that. I'm tired. Um they are working together um as a team to infiltrate this group and to figure out what they're doing and all that stuff. And they're going in under the guise that they are a couple. And basically this fictional scenario kind of turns into a real scenario. Uh, and they fall in love. It really happens. Which is like, that's really cool. um, And it could be a lovely story about two people that fell in love, and they took down a gang, and they lived happily ever after. But unfortunately, that is not in the cards. No, Um, that is (laughs) not what we get. No, sometimes things go bad. Most of the time, things go bad. Um, So, what winds up happening is they have the big bank heist that they're supposed to be a part of, and there is a strangeness to all of this, uh, and I think it's explained where doesn't it seem like her and this guy are actually going to go through with it and run away together, right?
1: Yeah, it does seem like
0: that. It, it feels like they're just like, yeah, no, we're criminals now. And mm-hmm. then when things go south, she's just like, no, we we weren't going to do that. I was just trying to... You know what I mean? Like, I I was just trying to keep my cover from being blown, and then she, like, goes back to being a cop, and that's, like, the rest of her, you know, it's life like up until we broke, meet her. Broke up a
2: little bit there.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Um. But, yeah, no, I think that, uh... A little bit of technical difficulties. All right, but, yeah, no, right. it seems like they were going to, uh... They were gonna, they were gonna run, uh, and then things didn't turn out that way. It's a really cool scene—the bank heist in the desert. Reminded me a ton of. Uh, you played GTA Five, right?
1: Mm, I haven't personally played it, but I've okay. I've seen plenty of clips, but okay. I don't know.
0: How the storyline goes. There's a bank in that that's almost like the exact same layout. Like it looks, it looks just like that. Actually, I felt a lot during this that it was reminding me of GTA 5, like there's a lot of um locations that uh that are there that I I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. I, I almost felt like I'd been there before." Um Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. It was very strange. But uh basically this this heist is happening. She's in the van. She's going to be a getaway driver. Somebody else in a separate van that's also a getaway driver. And Toby Kebble, the gang leader, is uh, talking to the bank clerk. And I I really liked the way that this was set up. I thought it was... It was very tense. But basically, he's asking the girl behind the counter, like, are there dye packs? Um, People don't know what he's talking about. It's just... A lot of times, banks, if they're being robbed... They will, almost spitefully, they will put um, like an an explosive die pack in with the money. So you'd walk out of the bank with your money, like, yay, I made a million dollars, and then poof, and then all your money is purple. And you'd be like, oh, I didn't make a million dollars, you can't spend the money, and you're fucked. You know, you did all that for nothing. So... He's yelling at the girl behind the counter. He's like, Are there die packs in this fucking thing? Are there fucking die packs? And she's just like, No, oh, no, you know. And then he's like, All right. So, like, he goes and he's walking out. And Aaron's, you know, I guess boyfriend, you know, whatever, but he's walked out ahead of him to the second van. Toby Kebble comes out of the bank. He's carrying the two duffel bags, and then all of a sudden, one of them goes, boom, and just purple dust everywhere. It's all over his fucking coat. It's everywhere. And he stops, and he's just looking at the van that Aaron's in, and then he opens his hands, he drops the bags down, and he goes back into the bank, and it's like, he is definitely gonna fucking kill that girl, 100%. And that's the moment where her boyfriend, who is Chris, I believe, um... Chris is looking at Aaron. It's a cool shot because you see Toby Kebble make the decision to go back into the bank. He turns and walks away, and as he turns and walks away, they focus shift to Chris in the background behind him. So he comes into focus. You realize that he's locked eyes with Aaron, and he's making a decision. He's going to try to save that girl's life. So he whips his mask off, he runs back into the bank. He runs up behind him, about 20 or 30 feet behind him, and is like, FBI, FBI, and he, Toby Kebbell just turns around and fucking blasts him away, which, I don't know, maybe in, I, I, maybe he had, like, a relationship with this guy where it was like, I don't want to kill him, but uh-huh. I didn't get that sense at all. Like, I no, feel like he no, should have walked up behind him and popped him in the head.
1: He shot at him anyway. Yeah. Like almost instantly, FBI FBI lifts his gun and then goes to shoot. Yeah, and misses and then gets popped a couple times. Yeah.
0: I don't think I would have identified.
1: Like, hey, I'm gonna shoot you. Turn around, and the guy turns around. And he's like, "All right, let's do
0: it." <laughs> that never works. I, I've tried that wow. so many times. I always wind up getting fucking nailed. Yeah, <laughs> I have bullets in my fucking shoulder. Sucks. Hate this shit. Um. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, I feel like Majorly it was, yeah, I, I feel like it was like such as like, I don't know, maybe that's like part of like the rules and regulations you're supposed to identify before you fire a shot all that stuff. But I think given yeah. the circumstances, I would have just shot the fucking guy, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it ends with like Toby Kebble turns around, shoots him like in the gut and in the chest and he falls down. He walked, he turns back to the girl that's behind the counter. I love the shot of her realizing that he's coming back in and him covered in the purple dye that she said was not in the bags and him just being like, he has like his arms out and he's like, no dye packs, no dye packs. And you can just see her like, oh fuck, oh fuck, because she knows she's in a lot of trouble. But like, after that, after he shoots Chris, he turns around and he just like, you don't even like really look, he just knows where she is over the counter he points the gun down like fires twice turns back around starts walking back towards the exit and as he's walking by Chris they don't show it but i'm assuming he shoots him in the head you know ends him uh-huh. um and that's the big tragedy of Aaron Bell's wife is you know she met this person she was in love then the shit happened and everything fell apart and now You know once she got out of that situation she had blown her cover she couldn't get close to this guy again and he disappeared and in the a storyline of the present day she is coming face to face with the idea that oh he's back he's back this is my time for revenge and that's what's kicking off her entire journey and I like that they don't really give you that information until later in the movie because it adds like an element of intrigue earlier on because you're like okay why isn't she talking with her partner? You hear a couple of people bring the partner up, and then you're also like, why is she doing this and that? And like, she's it seems like she's tampering with evidence, and it's like, is she is she a bad cop or you know is but what is she up to? And and I think the reveal that it's like, no no no, I'm a cop, but I'm also on a very personal mission. Like I have an entirely different thing to do than a regular cop would. You know, I I am out for blood right now. And I thought that was really, really well handled. And uh, I don't think it got any more interesting to me than when she, uh, she actually like stumbles upon, which I thought was a little weird. I felt like they could have, did it feel like she just stumbled upon like the modern day bank robbery? Yeah. I feel like she didn't yeah, have a tip yeah. off. It just happened in front of her which was strange, but um, she kind of, she sees basically her old gang going into a bank to rob it in the present day, and it leads into I haven't seen that type of, like, tense bank robbery thing happening until, like, since like, Heat, you know, which was back in the 90s, they have a really great bank robbery at the midway point of that film, and um, uh uh-huh you know this kind of has that same vibe uh but she basically catches up with a girl that she used to know very well um and you know you're a cop you're going to arrest this person you're going to put them in a cruiser you're going to send them downtown fingerprints and photographs and long conversations around very friendly tables um but that's not what happens. Aaron beats the fucking shit out of this girl, and then throws her in the trunk of her car. And when other cops run by, she's like, "Oh, she got away from me! She got away from me! She went that way!" And she sends them in the wrong direction. And I thought that that was like for me that was that was like the best moment with that dichotomy of like I'm a cop, but also I'm doing my own thing. You know, I thought that was a really cool. That was just a great scene. You know, um, mm-hmm. I I I think that the viciousness of the fighting in it, it is pretty shocking. Some of the some of the violence and it didn't feel choreographed. It felt like they just went out. Um, you know, and it's funny because you're you're kind of waiting for that to happen.
2: You know, you you're kind of waiting for her moment to come up where she just does something. And you're like, holy fuck! Yeah, and it's like you see, you know.
1: Her daughter Shelby and that, that guy, that's way too old for her. And they get into a little and she she slaps him up a little bit and it's like, ah, uh, I yeah. don't know if she's really capable of, you uh, know, getting violent and
2: getting gritty. Yeah. You know,
1: a couple slaps, doesn't yeah. look like it does anything. Yeah. And then you see that scene you're like, oh shit. Yeah. There it is. And she's like.
0: So there's that, it's been leading up to. Yeah. And she's yeah. like pistol whipping that girl. Uh, you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ, you know. <laughs> That girl's, like, seeing double of everything. It's like nine guns coming down into her face every time she gets hit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I really like it. There's such a rawness to the way that this movie is filmed and to the way that the story is set up and the way that the fights are choreographed. It really... I, I like that kind of, like... Violence is super messy, you know? Violence is not... Like, John Wick is awesome, but that's not what violence is. You know, it's almost like a ballet. Um, So I like when you see violence that's like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, I'm uh, on the edge of my seat wondering how far this could go, you know. Um, Creates a lot of tension, and it makes you scared. It makes you scared for the characters that you're following along with. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. So I thought that that was a really... I thought that was a really... That was a great scene. I liked the lead-up to it, too. After So the girl that she winds up fighting is Petra. And Petra has escaped the bank robbery that they're pulling off. Uh, or trying to pull off. Um, and she has left the scene. She's wound up at a... It seemed like a restaurant or something. But she has, like, the bag of money... And you can see her, like, she has, like, these striped kind of, like, suit dress pant type things that are tucked into, like, combat boots. And you can see that, like, there's a rip on her knee and that she has, like, her her knee is, like, skinned. There's, like, blood dripping underneath the pant. And I, like, you can see her, like, shaking, like, trembling with all this adrenaline that she has coursing through her. And there's, like, nobody else notices, but there's a little boy... That like focuses in because he's at her hand height, you know, like he can't help but notice how much and because he sees the shaking, he winds up like kind of looking her over and then it's like, oh, he sees the ripped pant with the bloody knee and he starts to piece together like there's something off about this person. And I like that. I like that little like that's just a little moment that I feel like you could miss. And and you could just have her, like, be standing in line and nothing's going on. And then all of a sudden, Aaron Bell's, like, up against the wall. And, like, that, you know, it would be fine. You wouldn't really feel like anything is missing. But that little tiny moment, like, I think elevates the tension. Because you, I, I, so the boy notices her and then she notices the boy. And there's a, I don't necessarily think that you feel like Petra's going to hurt the kid. But you definitely get the sense that, like, whatever she was coming down from in terms of her adrenaline level it's now like now she's back on guard where it's like oh shit and i think it gives Aaron bell like just enough time to get in there uh and kind of take control of the situation because if she hadn't have been distracted by the kid she might have seen Aaron coming past the windows could have turned into a very different thing so um you know i i, I really like I really like small moments in in these types of movies you know especially when you're seeing big violence big action where you have like just a little tiny thing it like it helps ground you in the story you know yeah yeah um, yeah you definitely have a good eye for that shit yeah that even I've seen
1: you know that you you'll watch and you'll just bring up these little things that I've missed and you know, it pieces things together for me a lot better than I could have put together myself. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Everything, you know, things that like even you notice, but you don't like you subconsciously notice it, but it just kind of goes by and, you know, you don't realize how much that uh, that moment meant mm-hmm. in that situation there, how different things could have been if that didn't
2: happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. I think that that's what separates good and great directors in a lot of ways. I think that you have to find, no matter what story you're telling, you have to find like a basic humanity. And I think that, I think that what Karen Kusama does in that instance is really smart because uh, imagine that you're like, imagine... You're a little boy, right? You're a little boy, and you're with your mom, and you're standing in line at an ice cream shop or wherever the fuck they were. Seemed like an ice cream shop to me. I don't know. I don't know if that's where you go after you rob banks. Uh, I've never robbed a bank. Um,
1: you gotta celebrate somehow, man. I can I can tell you where you. Always a good way
0: to go. <laughs> I can tell you where you go after you strangle a hitchhiker. I can't tell you where you go after you after you uh, rob a bank. Um, <laughs> don't ask. Uh, <laughs> so jail. <Yeah. laughs> <World counts. laughs> That's exactly where you with, go <laughs> with all my friends. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So except John, John's like an angel. Ah, uh, um, you guys can't see it at home, but he did like a little. He put the little the the hands under the chin, and like gave his little sparkly eyes. That was nice. Oh yeah, it was very cute. Um, I got the lighting down right on me. Oh. Uh. <sighs> Like, glowing. yes, the light of the Lord, angelic, um, Barry. Um, I think Hayley might disagree with that, but <laughs> she I don't know. Definitely, <laughs>
1: especially during this quarantine,
0: driving her crazy. That's awesome. Keep it up. Keep up the good work, sir. Oh yeah, um, oh I am. But yeah, like what Karen Kusama does is really smart. She, she zeroes in on the essential emotion of the scene okay the essential emotion of the scene imagine you're a little boy you're at an ice cream shop with your mom and you're standing there and you notice that somebody nearby is like shaking uncontrollably they keep looking over their shoulder doing all this like weird shit you're like that is fucking like there's something off about this person you start examining them and you see that like oh they have a ripped pant leg and they're bleeding and then like they lock eyes with you And you see in their eyes this, like, sunken, soulless face, just angry-looking, right? Now, on the flip side of that, imagine that you've just robbed a bank. Shit has not gone well. You run, you take cover in the first place you can find. It's an ice cream shop. Get in line, minding your own business. And... You're trying to calm down, but you can't get your fucking hands to stop shaking because you're just so nervous. And then you look over and you realize that a little boy is noticing you and noticing that there's something off about you. And now it's just a matter of time before he says, Mom, what's up with this lady? And now you have two people that know that something's up. And then it ain't long before everybody knows, right? That's how it goes in your head. You're like, I'm going to get found out, and then I'm going to have to run again. So it's like, there it is again. Now, Erin Bell, she's just managed to foil a bank robbery, but she's trying to get to Petra because she knows that she can get to Petra, she can get to the guy that killed her, like, the love of her life. So she is, you know, running up to catch up with Petra, not knowing what she's going to walk into when she goes into the ice cream shop. Not knowing if she's going to be in trouble or or, or if, if Petra has a gun that she's going to pull. She doesn't know what the situation is. She's going in kind of blind because she's single-mindedly focused on her task. So Karen Kusama is just like, fear. It's fear. It's fear. Everything is fear. So, like, the little boy's afraid of Petra. Petra's afraid of the little boy. Aaron's afraid of Petra and what could happen. It's it's all fear. So, like, what Karen Kusama does is she takes, like... That's the overall feeling that you would have. But Karen Kusama takes the time to give us a moment... Where you see... You see it, like, personified. You see the fear in the little boy's eyes. And then the fear in Petra's, you know? It gives you a little bit of a breather... So that you understand, like, where everybody is in the scene emotionally. And I think that sometimes when people direct action... They don't take that. Uh, they don't take that time. They don't try to. Uh, they don't try to ground you. And I think when they don't try to ground you, you wind up with things that are um, flashy, but they they don't really. They don't give you anything. You know, they don't give you like a lasting impression. But I have a lasting impression of that that sequence. You know, right. that's the and and the the feeling of when. She's outside the back of the ice cream shop and she has Petra by the head and she's, like, telling her to be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And, like, winds up throwing her in the trunk and slamming the door. That moment carries with it such an overwhelming sense of relief because Karen Kusama did the work to make you feel fear, you know? By the time that trunk lid closes... You're like, oh fucking thank God! And then when she tells the cops, like, oh she got away, she got away, she went that way. It actually like it plays funny because you're nervous. You're nervous for all the characters, and you're coming down from the same type of adrenaline that Petro was coming down from. So when that happens, like, it's not hilarious, but for some reason it makes you, it kind of makes you chuckle, you know. So I think that. Karen Kusama as a director is really smart in the way that she kind of very gently manipulates you into feeling a certain way, you know? And I think yeah. that's what makes her great. I think that's what makes her a great director. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody could have... and I mean, it's a separate issue, but... You know, when when you talk about Karen Kusama and you talk about The Invitation... I have trouble imagining any other director doing what she did in The Invitation. Because she's so uh-huh. measured... She's not, like, she is just taking her time. She's taking her time. She's drip-feeding you things, and then she's going, oh, yeah, but no, 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 don't worry about that. And then she'll give you something else to worry about. And then No, 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 it's okay. Uh, and a little bit more. And, like, that whole, like, I can't remember the character's name, but the whole sequence where, like, Logan Marshall Green, in The Invitation, there's a great moment where Logan Marshall Green is finally, like, I am so done with this fucking night, he gets up from the table and he's yelling about you know where's brian or whoever somebody that didn't show up for the party but like he's not at the party but like he has a voicemail from brian on his phone that's saying hey i just pulled up to the party blah 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 blah. so it's like well brian was here what the fuck happened to him and like that the way that karen sets that shit up and and builds to it to the point where he's like i have evidence that something is wrong and then he goes off on this tirade he makes a complete ass of himself because a moment later brian walks in you know (laughs) it's like karen kusama is just she she just is not she's she's not trying to shock you she's not trying to elicit emotions she just is Well, she's trying to elicit emotions, but she's not forcefully doing it. She just is very Mm -hmm. gently kind of guiding you in the direction that she wants you to go. And I think that that's a special trait in a director, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. Well, she brings you on
1: the same, that same journey that, that, the character's going through, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, you feel closely, like, you know, you kind of get in that state of mind, like, you you know, something's up, but you don't know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of finding out as you go. Yeah. With them, so it really draws you into that moment there, because you yourself are experiencing the same thing that that character you're watching is experiencing as well as it goes. Because yeah. you're getting anxious, but I mean, you kind of feel like you're there. You're like something's going on here, and I don't like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that that's one of the things that I like most about her. You know, uh, you know, the artsy stuff is is beautiful and definitely adds layers to what she's doing but her uh just steadfast approach to you know you don't you don't tell anybody how to feel but it's it's like the there's that thing show don't tell you know like it's it's better to show somebody show how somebody's reacting to something that's bothering them than to have them be like you know what's bothering me blah 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 you, you don't want to do that because you don't want to, you don't want to, if you really have an audience, you don't want to disrupt their hypnosis. Like, getting an audience to watch what you're doing and engage with what you're doing is like hypnotizing them. And when you, when you do something blatant, your audience is going to go, snap out of it and be like, Oh, I've seen that fucking shit a million times you know, and it, uh-huh. it's gonna ruin it. But Karen yep. Husam is very careful not to disrupt that kind of stream of consciousness. She just wants you to get completely absorbed in what she's doing. Uh-huh. And and she does it so well. She really Agreed. is uh she really is a an amazing director. Um
1: Yeah, you'll see in a lot of other movies where we'll do that. We'll just throw it in your face and be like, you should feel this way. Like, you can just tell, like, that, like, certain scenes, certain things are said, because they want you to feel a certain way, and it's like, they don't put the time, they don't put the effort into building
2: that up, and it just, it feels phony, and it completely takes me out of the movie. So, I didn't get the feeling with this. Parlor
0: tricks? Parlor tricks! (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can think of right now. (laughs) Um... Yeah, no, it's like, it's shit like that. It's like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't ring true. And when it doesn't ring true, it completely snaps you out of whatever, you know, like movie watching is, is, you know, it's like hypnosis. It's also like dreaming, you know, and it's like when you're, when you're in a dream and you realize that something's wrong, what happens? You're you're like, oh, I'm dreaming. And then you fucking wake up most of the time. Um, Yeah, uh, there's a technique to uh stop that from happening yeah
1: if you're in a dream and you realize you're dreaming it starts to fade one of the things they tell you to do is to look down and then just start spinning i don't know why it works but it works because i've done it really <laughs> it's like yeah it's really cool man
0: and then it's, were you walked uh, into the dream as like you were completely lucid
1: yeah i mean it's always in the moment when yeah. you realize you're in a dream you're it it seems a lot more lucid but then you you wake up and you know your memory of it not so much yeah but you know there's uh, there's been people have said that they've been in dreams that have been like hyper lucidity where it's like as you know like you and i right now you know it's that lucid i've never experienced anything that drastic Mm. but i've definitely been deep into the dreamland and it's just dude it's like the fuck craziest thing
2: yeah it really is it's wild um it's cool
1: yeah i got like really passionate about that stuff i'm like i wish i could just master it my biggest problem is just sleep i can't control my sleep yeah and that's like one of the you know one of the things you have to do to yeah. be able to really manage like your you know when you're gonna hit REM sleep you know get like this amount of amount of sleep and you set a
2: why so she
0: kind
2: of wake up and you know this yeah. and that
0: so yeah it's fucking I, cool though I've never managed to actually lucid dream I've tried it before but um uh-huh. I just can I I just can never get there and unfortunately one big difference between dreaming and movie watching is that when I get sucked out of a movie I can't just stand up and spin around really fast and be back <laughs> Did, into it, it. I, <laughs> who's to say who's to say I don't know I don't know I just feel like it won't work. <laughs> Especially in a movie theater. I feel like people would get mad. Uh, yeah, what the this <laughs> like, doing? sit the fuck down. Um, like,
1: Wait, I, I just want to try something real quick.
0: He's <laughs>
1: knocking over people's
0: popcorn. <laughs> smacking babies. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying to get back into the movie. You know? <laughs>
1: While simultaneously taking everybody else out of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's the best way. It's the best way. I, I always I, profit off the misery of others. Can't help it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I think that she's, she just is authentic, you know, what she, what she sets out to do, she just does really well, and, um, I fucking appreciate the hell out of it, you know, as a, as a movie watcher, as a big time movie fan, I know when I'm in capable hands, you know, and, and I don't think anybody's, anybody has more capable hands than Karen Kusama, like there's, she's up there with some of the best, you know, and, uh, I, I. You know, anytime that she is attached to anything, I'm going to be, like, front and center, ready to go. Um, right. so, outside of her and her wonderful directing, there's the cast that we should talk about a little bit. And I have mostly nothing but good things to say. Um, Do you have anything that you want to call out? I mean, we've already talked about Nicole Kidman is pretty fucking great in this movie um she does a really good job as both sides of her character you know yeah not so much i mean there's
2: not a lot of people in this movie that i've seen in other things yeah you know like that guy that i said plays bucky he was he he was he the
1: santa claus movies too see what are the elves
0: no i don't think (laughs) so but i think i know who you're talking about
1: so uh, the same guy um fuck was he on (laughs) Was that New Girl with Maybe. Zoe um, Deschanel?
2: Yeah.
1: Deschanel? I don't know. Yeah. I think he was Nazi. I don't know. Someone looks similar to him. I just I kept picturing Bernard, the elf.
2: Yeah, the Bernard. Elf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I, I fucking.
1: But other than that, I haven't really seen any of those other people in any of the
2: yeah. movies. So, you know, I don't have anything as like a point of reference to compare on performances. Yeah. You know, nothing that stuck out to me. The
0: only, I don't
1: have a keen eye for those things
0: no. you know the only thing so I uh, I like James Jordan who's the guy that in the future is dying of cancer and in the past looks like Guy Fieri oh um, <laughs> uh, okay yeah yeah that yeah. was okay
1: I was like yeah. wait I'm like there is someone else
0: yeah he's the
1: guy that gets jerked off on his deathbed
0: I mean God willing we all will um, I hope.
1: hope only hope yeah
0: I hope I don't have to wait that spit long to feel it. a woman's death. Get <laughs> on it. Fuck spit you. on it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That type of love. It's a lot of love. Um so yeah, I uh I I like him. I saw him in a movie called Wind River and he played like an unrepentant piece of shit in it. Um this one I actually saw a little bit more personality where I was like, oh, maybe, you know, he's not so bad, you know. Um, but he still kind of had that same quality to him. He just seems like he's always going to play that type of guy. Um, he's been typecast already. Um, but I uh, there's one thing that I got to bring up because it's just, it's always weird. Uh, Toby Kebbell is the gang leader of the movie. And uh, that dude does nothing for me. Like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Like, the energy that he brings to the parts that he plays, I always, like, I always feel like he's just being himself. So they try to plug him into these different character types, and it never works because he's just being himself. Like, I don't know that he can act. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like What else has he been in? So he was Doctor Doom and Fan Forstick that terrible josh Trank Uh, movie okay i haven't seen that yeah it's like it's the third time they've gone through the fantastic four on film fourth if you count the roger corman uh unreleased uh fantastic four movie which if you haven't seen the unreleased fantastic four movie you got to go out and try to because it's a fucking laugh riot it's hilarious I think a guy gets shot, and as he falls over, he farts at one point for no reason. Um, totally <laughs> breaks any tension that could be happening. Um,
1: where, where do you? Where do we find this
2: unreleased version?
0: Oh, ah, yeah, it's got to be somewhere online. I have a somewhere DVD. Yeah. I have a DVD copy of it that I can show you at some point. We should do a show. Actually, we should do a show on uh, Roger Corman's Fantastic Four because it's actually it's fucking hilarious. It is so they did not have a budget. Literally, Fox. <laughs> Fox was like, we're gonna lose the rights to the Fantastic Four if we don't make a movie in two weeks. And Roger Corman was like, well, let me get writing. And they, like, put together this movie, and it was fucking awful. But I would take their Doctor Doom over Toby Kebbell's Doctor Doom any fucking day of the week. Because that guy has wow. the... He has the personality and charisma of a fish that's been beaten to death with a hammer. Like, that's that's the level okay i just all right i just that picture i love it i i just don't like i i i watch him and they put him into scenes that could be amazing like arturo check to see if it's your time you're like holy shit he's gonna make him play russian roulette like You know, he's going to force him to do it and stuff. And everybody is on point. Everybody. Like, Sebastian stands sitting sitting there, like, licking a joint to, like, close it up. And you can see him, like, realizing, like, holy fucking shit. Like, something bad could happen. Aaron Bell was like, oh, no, Arturo. And Arturo was like, holy fucking shit. Holy fucking shit. He's going to make me do this. Holy fucking shit. And you can feel all the tension. And the only person that can't fucking do it is Toby Cabell. Like... (laughs) You're just watching him and you're like, dude, you are the weakest link in every chain that you're involved in. Like, it Aww. is so, I, I'm sorry, but it's like, I don't understand how he keeps getting work. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. it it's, it's He's so miserable to watch. And they gave him that fucking doofy haircut, like the long curly hair. And the whole idea <laughs> is that they're trying to make him feel like Charles Manson. You know, they, they're they trying to make you feel like there's a group of people that are so devoted to every word that this fucking guy says that they can't do anything except follow him. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't cast Toby fucking Kebble as that guy ever, <laughs> ever, ever, <laughs> because you need somebody that can carry that like Toby Kebble. Is not the guy that people will follow into oblivion, no matter what. Toby Kebble is the guy that you see walk into a party, and you're like, maybe I should go home. You know, maybe it's time. Maybe it's over. You know,
1: <laughs> it feels a little weird here now. Yeah, I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just no, kind of. Oh,
1: I, Adam and I look back at his face when he handed him the gun, and it's just like. He did seem emotionless, but I didn't know if that was just what he was supposed to be doing. You know, he was supposed to be like the sociopathic, just like,
0: like, you know, do it. I don't care. No, no, like, no, I, you know, like so. <laughs> no, I he just, he, I, I, the, the best thing I ever saw him in was one episode of Black Mirror and surprise, surprise, he played somebody that was essentially himself. It was like just a regular person that was going through life things, and he did fine. But if you try to put him into some type of category... Like, think about the threat that they're trying to build up in Destroyer. Like, they are trying to build up the idea that this guy has everybody under his fucking thumb, and nobody can escape, and, like, he is just a big, bad motherfucker. And it's like, well, wait a minute, okay, so if he is that thing, right? Doesn't it... Isn't it a requirement? That this guy is, like, a cult of personality? That this guy is somebody that is just so fucking, like, off that you don't know what he's going to do? Like, you know who would have that type of situation in a gang? Tuco fucking Salamanca. Like, Tuco Salamanca is the guy that's like, put that off to your head, pull the trigger. And you're like, fuck, I'm doing it shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's, a, that's a real
1: good point. I could definitely see yeah. him fit and so much better in that scene.
0: If, if, if Toby Kebbell told me, hey, check to see if it's your time, and handed me a loaded gun, I would click that motherfucking thing until I shot him dead, because I'm not afraid <laughs> of Toby Kebbell. I am not afraid of Toby Kebbell. But you can make, like, like, a guy like Tuco Salamanca, yeah, man, like, I if I shoot that guy, he's still gonna beat me to death. I could shoot him in the head and he'd kill me. You know, like, <laughs> That's a damn good point. I just, I don't think that Toby Kebbell was the right pick. I really don't. And and I will say that same sentence every time I see a movie that he's in. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. I love it. They gotta do like a buddy cop thing with him and James Corden. I was gonna say, I'm like, is this your new
1: James Corden? Is James Corden off the
0: hook? Toby
1: Kebbell? No,
0: no, no. Corden and Toby. <laughs> that's cute. I I could watch that. Um, I could watch that and light myself on fire afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but that's my big that's my big rant about the movie. That's pretty much it, though. Everything else is pretty good. I don't have yeah. a lot of complaints. It's just him! <laughs> it's just him! I don't know. I can't help it. I can't help it. I think it would be easier for me to forgive it, too, if Toby Kebble was at all redeeming me. <laughs> I'm so mean. I'm sure he's the nicest person in the world. Oh, I'm sure he is. He's hey, probably man. so nice no, he... I would actually put the money up to buy him acting classes.
1: <laughs> maybe we can do a wt4 GoFundMe go fund me
0: towards <laughs> toby get toby Kebble. <laughs> go fund me uh, toby Kebble <laughs> needs acting classes and you yeah. know what's crazy about that is you'd be surprised at the donations like, everybody that's ever seen Toby <laughs> Kepple act, like, you should see his mom's donation is, like, $6,000. She was like, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're fucking right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, It'd be the only donation. Yeah, that, that'd be it. No, I'm no. I, I, um... Poor guy. No, yeah, I mean, again, I'm sure that he's fine, but, uh... Like, he's probably a good human being. He's as good... He's as good of a human being as he is not as good of an actor, right? Like, it's in direct proportion. Like, he's a horrible actor, but he's probably a stellar human being. But I feel like to become a better actor, he actually has to be less of a good human being. Which is mm-hmm. fine. I'd take it. I don't care. I don't know him. Yeah. It would just be, it. It would just be the movie. Like, as long as I get to watch something that entertains me, that's fine. But I definitely felt yeah. like the whole... Charles Manson thing. That's all I could think of was like they're trying to build up this idea of like a, a Charlie esque cult leader. No, he doesn't cut it. You it know, yeah, no, uh, yeah. it's very distracting to me the entire movie. And and then by the end of the movie, um, you know, you see him older, and he uh, doesn't you know I mean he doesn't really feel like the same character. Um he would, that was the closest that I felt to actually believing him in the part was the the scene that he has with Aaron at the end of the movie. Um uh-huh. up until that point, man, I just couldn't take him seriously. It was like Jerry Seinfeld in a weird Al Yankovic wig. It was very strange. Like I just don't <laughs> I don't know what the thought process was for his character except I you know, I I just I feel like it just you need to bring that one element back to the drawing board and think a little bit more about what you're trying to accomplish, you know. Uh-huh. But it's like again, you know, you put Tuco Salamanca or somebody like Michael Shannon, you know, somebody with like some authority, some real authority. But I, I felt like the entire time, like you're watching Toby Kebbell sitting next to Sebastian Stan, and it's like if at any point Sebastian Stan felt like things were going to go down, I believe Sebastian Stan could beat Toby Kebbell like nobody's business. Like, I didn't feel threatened at all by him. It's like, uh-huh. I don't know, man. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, imagine if you, like, no. you, you needed, like, an attack dog, and you got, like, a Jack Russell Terrier to, like, ward yeah. off would-be robbers. It's like, yeah, no, wrong dog. You picked the wrong like, dog. Yeah, it's like in the movies, you
1: see that beware of dog sign, and then the it's like, oh man, what's going to be behind this door? And you open it up, and there's like a little chihuahua or a poodle yeah. or
0: something that comes up. <laughs> you're like, nope, nope, nope. Go back to central casting. Find somebody else. We need somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. You needed a pit bull or a Doberman pincher in that part. And it just, Toby Kebble, yeah. Toby Kebble was not that thing. But I don't know. I feel bad. Like, I feel dirty. I just, like, shit all over somebody's entire life.
1: That's what we're here to do, man.
0: No, you should over his acting career, which I guess would be his entire life, but Yeah. I mean, if he was really dedicated to acting, he'd be better at it. Mm. I think he's a pretender. That's what I think. (laughs) But low key, if he wants to be in my short film, it would it would lend some amount of uh credibility to the proceedings. So Mm -hmm. actually it might hurt it. It might hurt it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. I actually don't want Toby Kebbell involved. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, good luck and everything. Like, I really hope that things uh, turn around for you, Toby. Yeah. I know that he's listening. He, you know, we we got we got fans all over the world. We Got some pretty high high profile <clears throat> listeners. Yeah. You know something? I I wanted to bring this up. We talked about it off air, but I don't think we got to say it on the show. I I want to just say uh, hello to South Korea, and. Uh, You know, it's so cool that we have listeners all over the place. It's, like, very exciting to me. Also, uh, hope that, uh, you know, I'm happy that it seems like things are kind of being contained in your country with the whole coronavirus thing. Also hope that that one listener from South Korea is still with us um, because this thing is wiping out people left and right. So um, I hope that you are well, whoever you are so yes yeah
1: keep listening please
0: yes well wishes well wishes um so yeah i mean i feel uh feel pretty good about that one john i feel like we uh really got into this one Mm. we we ripped this one up um aside from toby kebble
1: which sounds like a uh like a dog food (laughs) kibble (laughs) I just, every time you said the last name Kev, I just couldn't get Doug for
2: grab <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is ironic, because his acting is Doug.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. um, I was damn. like, ah, I shouldn't say that. No, I that's that beautiful. But, like, I, I get what you're saying, but...
0: <laughs> I, you know, it's just... Yeah. It, he's just distracting to me, man. Like, every time I yeah. see him, I'm just like, dude, why are you here? Like, why are you here? Go home. Go home. Try again tomorrow. You know? <laughs> like... If if they told me that I had to cast... Like, if, they, if he showed up on my set with a scene like the Arturo scene, and he gave me the performance that he gave, I would be like, we have to, like, stop the production. And I need to talk with him for three weeks about what I'm trying to do. And then hopefully we can start again. But I'm like, dude, you are... You're doing a couple things that are great? Like, just the nonchalantness of it and kind of like oh it's like a laugh riot and all this stuff but it's like there just needs to be so much more authority you know i even questioned just the tossing i don't know maybe the, the tossing the gun across the room like adds to the nonchalantness but the the sense that i got is like don't make him lazy like have him load the gun up have him stand up have him walk across the room and have him grab Arturo by the shirt and like lift him up off of the couch and be like, hey, and stick the gun like in his hand and be like, "Do me a favor. See if it's your time. You know, and like that to me is the like you feel more command of the scene. I think they're trying to like show his command by the way that he is like draped across the chair like a lion, like there's nobody that could hurt him. But just it doesn't it just doesn't play you know you can do that if you have a big physical presence and Toby Kebble does not have that big physical presence like your eye is not drawn to him at all because there's no you just, like, there's not it's a shitty thing to say but like there's a there's a thing like visual strength that people can have and like i i guess i would i'm trying to think of like a good example of it but like tom hardy comes to mind like tom hardy has a has a presence about him that it's hard to it's hard to kind of turn away from him because he just has such a command and like or john bernthal like imagine uh-huh. john bernthal as the gang leader like there you go your problem solved like john bernthal looks scary as a motherfucker you know and looks dangerous you know so it just I don't know just feels a little bit off, but um but yeah, anyways, yeah, I think that the yeah. movie I think the movie was great, and uh, I'm very excited to see what other what else Karen kusama does because uh just I just enjoy the shit out of what she what she's put together, you know, I guess she did oh, yeah. eon flux, which I never actually saw, like Charlize Theron one after it's like from like ten years ago or longer. Wild. It doesn't feel like a Karen Kusama. I think it was like the first one of the first big, big things that she had done. So it doesn't really have her, her kind of artistic flair behind it just yet. But um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'm I'm, I can't wait to see what Karen does next. I I I really like her. Um, yeah. And let's see. As far as next week's show, we. <sighs> Well, I guess we'll do the hunt, yeah? Yeah. You want to do I'll that? I'll definitely see it by, by,
1: that, by the time
0: of next week, so, okay. so I am definitely in. All right, so we'll do that next week, and then after that, maybe we'll kick off uh, our Quentin Tarantino watch-through, which I think the first one is Reservoir Dogs, which is an old favorite uh-huh. of mine, so that'll be fun to do. So it looks like we have... We have to reconfigure our FADA schedule based around the whole, you know, apocalypse thing. Um, But I think we're going to get through this fine. I mean, that's a lot of content right there that we can do right from the comfort of our own homes. And I feel like this whole thing with Mm -hmm. using Zoom and Anchor together, I feel like this has been a success. I feel like this was very natural to me. This feels like I'm sitting right there with you. So Yes, I agree. All right.
1: I'm glad this worked out because I know we had some trouble with this before, but we're going to keep the content coming, baby.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, You know, we can't. We, we, we cower to no global threat. <laughs> to the end of days, to the end of days, John and I won't be able to shut the fuck up. That's no, a promise. No way. That's a promise. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, guys. Uh thank you for listening, joining in on this twenty eighth or twenty ninth episode of w t Fada. We'll figure that out next week um and uh come back and join us for the hunt uh which hopefully people will be supporting the theaters i know I know that it's a twenty dollar fee for the whole rental thing, but you gotta understand like you get it for forty eight hours you could see it two or three times. you already saved your money. You know, and if you're seeing it with family members or a girlfriend, wife, whatever you have, then it's like, look, you just bought two tickets for $10 a piece. It's really not that bad of a deal, guys. Like I think we should support I think we should support our movie studios right now because I know they're hurting and they're trying to figure out what the fuck they're going to do with all these things. I am heartbroken over Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know what's going to happen with that either, and they don't either. They have no clue what's going on and it's like ah damn it. So guys, if if you if you had something that you were going to go see in the theater, please think about spending the money to to check it out at home. Uh we don't want Hollywood to go away. I don't want Hollywood to go away. I love movies.
2: And and and
0: they need help right now, for sure. Uh, this is a bigger and Afterwards,
1: you can join us here.
0: That's right. And you can follow along with us and hear about all the stupid shit that we have to say about things, right? right. <laughs> so, uh anyways, guys, be safe. Uh don't die and uh as always,
1: we love Stay you. Inside. We Stay love
0: inside. Stay inside. Be safe. All right. Enjoy enjoy a, uh, a nice quarantini, which I'll let you guys figure out what the fuck that is. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This episode was once again brought to you by ron-iii-art.redbubble.com. Dot com. head over there check out the W.T. Fada collection we got a bunch of different merchandise from the show and uh, you know if you see something you like pick it up helps us out a ton and uh, we definitely appreciate it and uh, hey send us some uh, some shots of it some shots of your merch okay
2: alright bye guys